My box has VD. Radio Drone. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drone. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is the Cecil to rule all Cecils. Cecil? Uh, I like that. I didn't think you'd fight me on that one. Peter won't be joining us this week, so we're going to delve back into time for the year 1990. But before that, what you guys need to do is go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping. Just use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. So, since we're going to be looking at 1990 in film, as we always do, what 1990 film jumps out at you? That if somebody says 1990 in film, that you just go, oh. People that that have been following me for a while, they probably know what I'm going to pick. But then I'm also going to pick follow-ups. I have to immediately go with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I adore the movie it just uh it, it it has stuck with me for years top of you know me loving the comics and the cartoons and the toys and everything else that goes along with it uh, it's just always been uh, a great movie that i i love so there's that and then the follow-up to i would have to go robocop 2 next and then predator 2 next two of the all-time best sequels just i adore both of them I was going to go with Predator 2, but since you did that, I'm going to go with Richard Stanley, Hardware. I was looking so forward to this movie. I'd been reading about it in Fangoria and Starlog all through late 1989 through early 1990, and I was there the day it came out on VHS. I was there waiting for the shipment at the video store, harassing the clerks. Has it come in yet? Have you got Hardware yet? And I snagged that very first VHS to rent. Well, I knew you were going to say Hardware. I also love hardware. That's it, it is one of my all-time favorite. I think it's in my top like 30 uh all-time favorite movies. I absolutely adore hardware. Um it's it's just amazing in every God, well we talked about it. Did oh, wait. A whole episode on Richard Stanley. We we did a whole episode on Richard Stanley, so yeah. So talking about how just amazing it is. So yeah, hardware is awesome. Well, see, now, the thing with 1990 in film, things had changed by this point. Batman, obviously, was such a monster success in 1989. It's strange to look at, you know, we'll get into the top ten itself at the end of the episode, as we usually do. It's surprising how few genre films came out in theaters in 1990. Even horror films, of which there were many, were almost exclusively direct-to-video or limited theatrical run. 1990 was not a great year for the genre. Now, yes, we had Predator 2, Robocop 2, Total Recall, things like that, but in general, 1990 was not a good genre year. I don't know. There was a lot of, like, really oddball, just uh, excellent films. I won't really get into it because I know we're going to break them down, you know, month by month, but uh, I think that there's more than you're giving it credit for. Well, let's talk about the non-genre films first. For instance... And I love the movie, and I know you do, but critics certainly did not. Adventures of Ford Fairlane is awesome. Oh, God, yeah. 
that is a movie that it's it blows my mind because at the time, Andrew Dice Clay was huge. He was the biggest comedian on the planet. It came out at just the right time. And the thing was, it wasn't a lack of theatrical if of people not going to the theater to see it that got it taken out of theaters that was actually one of the rare instances that i can remember there were protesters and stuff because oh he's so offensive and he's you know evil to women and this that and the other thing that got it yanked from theaters it's it's mind-boggling that uh they're that they wouldn't just be like hey you know what this movie's gonna make us a crap ton of money we put a lot of money into it biggest uh you know uh, biggest comedian on the planet yeah go you know go f- yourself we're <laughs> we're gonna run this but no they yoinked it from theaters and probably cost themselves a lot of money and it is funny how people will now look back on it and like just mock it and just oh it's stupid when really it's a very funny it has Very it has clever. moments that are bad. It, I mean, it has moments that are it has some jokes that are cringe-inducingly bad. But I'd say seventy-five percent of the movie works for me. Little nods to his act, and it was funny. And uh, I think you know maybe now it doesn't tra- you know it doesn't carry over as well. But I still laugh. I don't care. It, it, I, it also has Robert Englund doing what might be the most offensively bad British accent I've ever heard in my entire life. Oh, I always even admits this. It is such an awful, awful British accent. Even if I tried to do a bad British accent, I wouldn't be doing Robert Englund in that movie justice. It's, it's, I always thought it was Australian. That's how bad it was. I don't even know, I don't even know where he's supposed to be from. I always thought it was Australian. At least they didn't kill you. What, do you think we were going to kill the fucking koala? Oh, that's, come on. Just awesome. Top of the world, ma. I mean, the, the cast in that is perfect. I have the poster. Uh, I, I've moved so many times. I have to get like a new frame for it and hang it back up. Uh, I, I adore it. I mean, like, like Lauren Holly was basically like a nobody at the time, but you had, uh, you know, Ed Harris and freaking, uh, uh, Wayne Newton for crying out loud playing the bad guy. Like, it's just Ed Harris. Or not Ed, Ed Harris. Harris. No, uh, no, 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 not, I'm, did I say Ed Harris? Uh, Ed, uh, Al Bundy. Ed O'Neill. Booty time, thank you. booty time across time. the USA. Booty time, booting my balls. And you had Gilbert Godfrey completely against what he was known for at the time. Johnny Crunch. Johnny Crunch, that's it. Hit, hit pay dirt with K dirt. Yes, and his, uh, his boat was named the Mighty Penis. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, and, and Priscilla, uh, was it Priscilla Presley? Priscilla Presley, yes. Priscilla Presley, uh, yeah, just so full of like, uh, for, you know, Vince Neal. You know, get, well, getting he dies 15 seconds in. Yeah, but still, it's Vince Neal. You know, I guess I was the only one who paid full price. How come they? How come they only had to pay 50 bucks? They blew me. 200 bucks it is. 200 bucks. Yeah, I, just, I love that. Just, it's really funny. I, I just, I love that movie so much. Mel Gibson and Robert Downey Jr. in Air America. Just to me, the movie never worked. I, I know it's supposed to be funny. Like, I watched the trailer right before this, and I'm like, the trailer looks like a great movie. Every time I've tried to watch Air America, I'm just like, God, I'm just not getting into this. There's just so many parts of this movie that don't work, and they override the parts that do. I've never seen it. I never cared to. As much as I love 48 Hours, and now Another 48 Hours is not a better film, I've never understood the hate thrown at Another 48 Hours. Yes, it is kind of a shameless cash grab. It's not the most original story, but Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte still have tremendous screen presence and charisma, and they play off each other very, very well. And come on, 
Andrew Devoff as James Ramar's psycho brother? Is there more perfect casting? Oh, well, Andrew Devoff in anything is amazing. I've seen him in some terrible movies where the movies have been bad, but he's been great. Another 48 hours, like you said, the chemistry is still there, but it's just... It had a lot to live up to. I mean, people were really expecting. It also uh, had a bullshit plot twist. Kehoe being the Iceman makes yeah. no sense in context of the first film. Because then in the first film, since he knew who Reggie Hammond was, he would have been acting against his own best interests to tr- to try and get Reggie killed to get his money back if he was the Iceman. That was a bullshit ass pull of a plot twist. Yeah, they figured they would do something for fans of the original, and then all they did was piss them off. You got arachnophobia. Okay, I'm scared of spiders. You're scared of spiders. I saw it in the theater. F*** that movie. I mean, it's a great movie, but f*** that movie. It's creepy. <laughs> it certainly is. It's, uh, I mean, it really set off every every alert I have in me. Just I'm like, ah, ah, spiders everywhere. I love, same thing. I love it. I think the comedy works. I think the visuals are awesome. I think the cast is great. Everything about it, the writing is clever and quick and uh, it, it just, it's a breeze. It goes right by. And yeah, the, the, but oh God, the, those spiders. Oh, that, uh, that girl taking a shower and it goes between her boobs. Oh God, it's so... The corner when it comes out of his nose. Oh, it's so creepy. Oh God. And, uh, and poor Warlock. Well, there's he do something good with that because you think Julian Sands is going to be the hero because the film sets him up to be, uh, he's dead 15 minutes later. Well, okay then. Yeah, it's like, oh, uh, well, we're screwed now. We've got amazing, and now this is exploitation, so it's technically genre, but Rudger Hauer in Blind Fury, a blind swordsman cleaning up a corrupt town. Come on. That's awesome. It certainly is. And it was like Rucker Hauer when he was still in shape. Have you ever seen Bonfire of the Vanities? I have only ever seen like a little bit of it. I've never, it was on like HBO or whatever. And I like watched like, and I'm like, eh, you know what? I'm like, I'm sure this is a great movie, but this is, it's just not my thing. See, I haven't seen it in 20, 25 years. I remember it not being that bad. And I remember Bruce Willis being great in it. But I, right before we recorded this, I went and looked it up. Man, it's a reviled film. People hate it. Won multiple Razzie awards, especially for Bruce Willis. And I'm like, Really? I remember, well, I think the, the Razzie for Bruce Willis is more, he and Brian De Palma absolutely backs this up. He was a terror on set. He had just done Die Hard before, and they said his ego was just so massive. He was a terror to work with on the movie. Uh... I didn't, I always just assumed that the movie was like liked for some reason. It's pretty uh, hated, man. Wow. I, I didn't, I I've didn't never read that. the book, but I've heard that people, you know, this is one of the ones where they're like, yeah, the book and the movie only share a title in common. Robin Williams and Tim Robbins and Cadillac Man, which I, eh, yeah, Cry Baby from John Waters. I'm not a big, I don't dislike John Waters, but I'm not a John Waters fan. And I know I love John Waters, but I do not like Crybaby. Crybaby just like, there's a couple of parts in it that are okay, but overall it's just, it's, it's not, it's one of his better known films simply because it was like mainstream and it had it Johnny Depp in it, too. but I never, I never got into it. I always thought it was just one of his weakest films. Same thing with like Dances with Wolves, you know, the big Oscar bait movie. Eh, it's not a bad movie. It's just not really a great movie either. It is an incredibly well-directed, well-put-together, good-looking film that I just, I have zilch. Like, it, like, I'm like, hey, this is a really big, 
movie that I just, I don't really care about. Same thing with like, uh, Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder is Top Gun with cars. People keep dismissing it as that, but that's really what it is. There's no sub. No, I get it. It was Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer. That movie is a Michael Bay movie that Michael Bay didn't direct. A buddy of mine showed me. He's like, this is the only scene in Days of Thunder that you need to watch. And it's the, whoa, that's like a monkey f***ing a football. And I'm like, yeah, that's really funny. And he's like, okay, now you never have to watch the movie. So I've never watched the movie. The, the, okay, you mentioned TMNT. There were two films that could not be avoided in 1990. It was TMNT and Dick Tracy. I was never a fan of the Dick Tracy comics. I don't know why everyone was falling head over heels for the movie. On a certain level, I I do get it. The look, it looks like a freaking comic strip. And on that account, it absolutely won. I didn't like the cast. I didn't like the script. I didn't like the story. I don't think Dick Tracy deserved to be as big in 1990 as it was. Well, Dick Tracy, it, like you said, it had the look, it had the feel. They did a really good job of capturing all of that. But I think what did it the most was the marketing. You know, it was Madonna and they just, they just did it. They played it so huge that everybody had to go see it. People who never heard of Dick Tracy before had to go see Dick Tracy. This was the movie you have to see. Sometimes certain movies, for whatever reason, they become these event movies. Everybody just has to go see it. And that was how I felt about Dick Tracy. Now, me did not, I keep saying this today, I'm, I'm kind of surprised, but I did not care. I, I still don't. It is a comic from like my, my parents time. I, I don't really, I, it's just, you know, I saw like, uh, uh, I've seen clips of it. And again, it's just, it's not, I'm sure well-made movie, but it is something that doesn't interest me. And from what I gather now, a lot of people uh, that have revisited it simply say that it does not hold up at all. Bruce Willis, another movie that doesn't hold up at all, Die Hard 2. Die Hard 2 feels exactly like what it is, a quick, cheap, cash-in movie. It was, get out a sequel and get it out now. But we don't have a good script. I don't care. Get it out now. The only things worth watching in Die Hard 2 are Dennis Franz and William Sadler. Uh, Die Hard 2 has got some good set pieces. I think some of the, some of the stuff is very cool. And I liked the idea because it was like, okay, we already did Die Hard in a building. Well, what are we going to do now? Well, uh, Die Hard in an airport. It kind of makes sense. Big, you know, big space where he can run through and he has to go into, uh, you know, the, the underground and he's got the, uh, instead of the cop, this time he's got the janitor. Felt like they really just kind of did a Mad Libs version of Die Hard. It was up until until a couple years ago, the worst Die Hard, but then Die Hard 5 deftly uh, kind of collected that one. Well, we also this year got to see Ernest go to jail. And am I the only one that really wanted to see Jim Varney getting raped? Yes. What's wrong with you? Jim Varney is a national treasure. You sorry, shut your, sorry. You sh- shut your whore mouth. We have Top Gun for Helicopters with Tommy Lee Jones and Nicolas Cage. Remember Firebirds? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. You forgot about that one, didn't you? I did forget about Firebirds. Wow. God, that's something I have not seen in a long time. So this I don't, was still I, prime Nick Cage, too. Yeah, I just, I don't, uh, I don't remember enough about it to really, uh, 
to to give it any kind of thing. I mean, I just remember the the wonderful cover. And that's about it. Well, and then we had flashback with Kiefer Sutherland and Dennis Hopper. And personally, I find a lot of the jokes in that movie still work. In some ways, they work better now than they did in 1990. Flashback was was pretty funny. Now, this next one is technically genre, but I don't consider this a real genre film. Ghost. I hated this movie. Hated it then. I hate it more now. I like Ghost. I don't have a problem with it. I think uh, they they did some really cool visual effects. I like I like Patrick Swayze a lot. Whoopi Goldberg think, was unbearable in this movie. Eh, she didn't bother me all that much. She, you know, it was what it was. I, I I like Ghost. I think it I think it was they made a bigger deal out of it than it really should have been. Like it was one of those movies where it's like, oh, why is this so? hugely popular i mean it's kind of neat you know it's the whole like love never dies and especially if it's patrick swayze you know back in his prime then uh you know i think that's largely what you know you know he, he came back from the dead you know for you and i'm like yeah so did johnny dingle this was also the year of The Mobster. We have both Godfather 3, which, I mean, it's not as awful as people say it is, although Sofia Coppola is a hard pill to swallow because, oh, God, is she terrible. She's so bad in this. It's not as good as the previous two, but I want to talk about Goodfellas, which I think is arguably one of the best mobster films I've ever seen. Now, I technically like Casino a little bit better, but that's still a couple of years down the line. But Goodfellas is freaking amazing. The testament to how good Goodfellas is, is I hate mafia things. I hate movies. Like, I don't mind movies where, like, maybe the mafia is, like, the villain or something. But movies where it's straight up about the mob, with the exception of, like, you know, Godfather and whatnot. But the vast majority of them, like, I adore Goodfellas. This is coming from someone who hates mobster things. So, I mean, it's it, the, the writing is so quick. Ray Liotta is amazing. Everything in Lorraine Goodfellas. Bracco is I, I don't know if it's she's just hotter as she becomes more of a junkie, strangely enough. Is it weird that the more trashy she gets, the hotter she is in the movie? I, I don't know. I, I've always liked her. And this is a terrible movie. Traces of Red. She oh, plays I thought you were like, gonna say Medicine Man. Well, Medicine Man too. Medicine Man, she was really, uh, she was very cute in Medicine Man, but she was like flat out hot in Traces of Red, and uh, and but it's such a terrible. She was movie. flat out hot in Hackers as well. She was pretty hot in Hackers because yeah. she had the big poofy hair in ni- the 90, 1995 poof hair and everything in that one. Yeah, yeah, it was very, uh, very like straight out of the mall. Yeah, she was, uh, she was Karen. It's all we had. <laughs> Oh, it's just great. I, I love it so much. Everything in it is amazing. It's such a, just a good movie. And okay, that was based off Henry Hill, the real life turncoat on the mob who went state's evidence. There was also another movie, My Blue Heaven came out this year too, which was a comedy version of Hill. Now, uh, now to, to counter that, yeah, I guess, I guess it's the strength of, of that whole story because My Blue Heaven is actually really funny. Uh, you know, hour and a half time killer. The movie Everyone Wants to Forget, the sequel to Purple Rain, Graffiti Bridge. I I saw it one time, and I don't even like Purple Rain, and I remember Graffiti Bridge being unbearable. Purple Rain is like, okay, 
still was not sold on Prince as an actor. So I was just like, you know, I, I think I'm done with, with watching Prince movies. So I, I've, I, as far as I can remember, I've never seen Graffiti Bridge aside from like the Raspberry Beret video. Well, and then we have the first of two Seagal films this year, Hard to Kill, which is now I'm talking theatrical Seagal prior to him going crazy, you know, Seagal in his prime. I was never that big into Hard to Kill, but you watch this one for William Sadler. I think it's definitely one of the weakest because it's, I don't know, it's, there's not that much action. It's kind of silly, but it's, it is fun. It's fun to really goof on more than like fun to just sit back and enjoy the action so um yeah william sadler though is uh, is great you know he's gonna, gonna take i'm gonna take it to the, the blood, blood bank, bank. <laughs> i mean that is that's that's prime seagal right there it's a shame that the movie isn't stronger because that line is is awesome but then the other big film you couldn't avoid freaking home alone i remember seeing this in the theater i don't like home alone yeah i just said that uh, you know what? Here's one of those rare instances. I agree with you because the thing was Home Alone, I hate. Home Alone 2, I love because Home Alone 2 was what Home Alone 1 was supposed to be, but the studio was not sold on it. So they wouldn't give them the money to do Home Alone 2 because Home Alone 2 being in the city and all that, it was way too expensive. And they said, okay, here's X amount of dollars. Do this, you know, do it smaller. So he did it like just as a, you know, in the house. You can act like the first one didn't happen and, uh, and still enjoy it. Uh, I think Home Alone 2 is, is far superior. I do not, I, I think Home Alone 1 is boring and not funny and more irritating than anything. Well, we got like House Party, Hunt for Red October, which I find boring. We got Joe versus the Volcano, which I can't believe I'm actually in agreement with Roger Ebert is one of the worst comedies of all time. Uh, House Party, I adore. I think House Party and House Party 2 are hilarious. Uh, but yeah, Joe versus the Volcano is the video store I used to go to. They had a, a, a shelf of movies that no one was renting and that were basically said, please rent these. And I was like, ah, uh, you know, what the hell? It's got Meg Ryan in it. Ooh, wow. And uh, it, it's a 90-minute Saturday Night Live sketch, isn't it? It's so bad. Like it really is is awful. I I agree, man. It's one of the it's one of the worst movies because it's just so dull and and boring. And another big one this year was Kindergarten Cop with Schwarzenegger. I, I I'm I'm ambivalent on this one. It's got some parts that work, but in general, it just doesn't make sense. And the plot is dumb if you think it through. Kindergarten Cop's hilarious. What's wrong with you, Macop, well, like, you idiot? I, I I like King of New York with Abel Ferrara. That was good. How can you not? Christopher Walken? Well, and we got two Van Damme films this year. We got Death Warrant, where he's undercover in a prison, and Lionheart, where he's fighting for his family's rights. I think the Lionheart is okay. I think Death Warrant is outstanding. It's ridiculously dumb. It's so much fun. Well, I love the fact that, like, there's, like, the hotel within the prison where, like, the, the dude, like, lives, like, this lavish lifestyle within the prison. Oh, it's so silly. And then, I mean, it has one of the best, like, Van Damme final fights where he just he kicks the guy into the furnace. It's wonderful. I don't, know why, I, don't, I don't know why Patrick Kilpatrick just didn't scan him like he did in Scanners 2 and melt him. I know, just boom. Look who's talking to this year. We had Loose Cannons, the Dan Aykroyd movie that actually got Dan Aykroyd investigated for murder. We have Lord of the Flies, ugh, Memphis Belle, Men at Work, 
You, you notice I'm glass glossing over some of these. Uh, Mo Better Blues. Navy Seals. <laughs> Ooh, Navy Seals. I like Men at Work a lot. Men at Work's really funny. I never got into that one. Well, we got Presumed Innocent with Harrison Ford, which I actually liked. I thought the plot twist at the end, that's one of those ones where I went, huh, I actually didn't see that coming. Nice. I don't think I've seen it. Well, I don't want to tell you much more about it then. Well, now then, I know there's a plot twist coming, so, but I guess, you know, you can't fall, you know, a 27 year old movie, I can't be held against, you know, against that. But then we've got Pretty Woman and Problem Child. I despise both of these films. I actually think Problem Child is one of the meanest, most hate-filled, unfunny comedies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but he called me your little kumquat! Problem Child is funny, and little kid's an asshole, but it's like, I don't know, I think Problem Child is funny. Uh, Pretty Woman, eh, it's like, it, it's, it's funny to me, because there's so many women that my sister was one of them, she's like, oh, it's such a beautiful love story, I want a love story, I'm like, well then go f***ing trick yourself out on the corner then. <laughs> and I'm sorry, street prostitutes do not look like Julia Roberts there, people. Did you ever see, this is one of those Saturday Night Live bits that was really where, where, funny. Where the teeth are falling out? Yeah, where, it's, where teeth are falling out. Uh, what was it? it uh, I forget the name of it, but it was, it was Mike Myers was playing the, uh, the Richard Gere part, and then, you know, they had some, you know, girl who was playing the hooker, and it was like, it basically was like she was really on meth and she like stole all his shit and she like gave him crabs and they were doing like the realistic version well and now i'm gonna mention two movies here that i think are just massively underrated i adore pump up the volume and i don't know why more people have not seen bill murray and randy quaid's quick change quick change is such a funny movie it's almost a satire of bad comedies and i know how that sounds but trust me it's one of those movies that acknowledges what kind of movie it is at the same time as being whip smart and just very very clever and pump up the volume i was 15 when this came out that movie spoke directly to me as far as quick change i have one thing to say where I do quick change is uh my my old boss when i when i worked that was his all-time favorite movie he adores quick change I'm, I'm with you on that, on that. It is one of the smartest, most clever, most entertaining, most unpredictable films because you genuinely don't know, like, like where it's going. Their like, day just keeps getting worse. It really does. It's so clever and it's so funny and just really awesome. Yeah, I love Quick Change. Quick Change majorly, majorly overlooked. And then to, to say with, uh, with Pump of the Volume, Pump of the Volume, same thing was, immensely influential on me. Pump of the Volume is the movie that made me get into radio. So I cock ring? <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll be standing here ring. wearing only a cock ring. Pump of the Volume, I might not be doing what I'm doing now if not for Pump of the Volume. Quigley Down Under, which was not very good. You had Rock and Roll High School Forever, which I'm going to put out a qualifier here. On its own, I'm fine with Rock and Roll High School Forever. As a sequel to Rock and Roll High School, it is ass. Yeah, it's it's okay. It is a it is a steep drop off from uh, from the first one. 
And it's it's Corey Haim, and he still ends up... No, Corey Feldman. Or, I'm sorry, Corey Feldman. I was just... Yeah, Corey Feldman, you know, and he's still aping Michael Jackson. <laughs> but it's it's so just corny. Uh, it's it, it does have the vibe. Like, I think that it wasn't just a shameless sequel. They did at least try to recapture the vibe of the first one. But it's just, you can't... Like, there's certain movies that you, you just can't do again. Well, and then we have Rocky Five, which I don't care about the Rocky franchise to begin with. And that film on its own is terrible. You remember, remember The Rookie with Clint Eastwood and Charlie Sheen? Again, Charlie Sheen. The Rookie... I think, as far as I know, it's the only movie where where um, Clint Eastwood's been raped. Unique action film, like it's really it kind of shows the uh you know the the normally you know super over the top killing machine cops as vulnerable. And uh, I thought it was uh, I thought it was kind of neat. Uh, I haven't seen it in a while, but I always remembered enjoying it for it being just not exactly like every other action film. But going to Rocky Five, Rocky Five as it is, I think stinks. That had a lot of studio involvement. Uh, I did a thing on the documentary about the Rocky series a few months back, and uh, the director, the, his vision of Rocky Five was completely different from what the studio wanted, and uh, they ended up screwing up his vision really bad and that's en- ended up being the movie that uh, is really the black sheep of the series because uh it- it's not the movie that it should have been three men and a little lady nope pass nope we've got the two jakes which is as good as chinatown is even though f- roman polanski the two jakes is boring I mean, I, I get what Jack Nicholson was going for, you know, writing, directing, and star, well, co-writing, directing, and starring in it. It's kind of boring. You got Wild at Heart from David Lynch. You know, it's David Lynch. I'm going to commit a, a cinema sin right now. You know what? I like Young Guns 2 better than Young Guns. There I said it. Yeah, I, I think out of all of those, I like Wild at Heart. Uh, Young Guns, I don't really care, but I didn't really care about Young Guns because it's, you know, I'm not really big on westerns. We'll, we'll get into the genre stuff. Like I said, this was not a strong year for sci-fi. We have the Canadian film, Abraxas Guardian of the Universe, which I don't really want to talk about because that'll come up Mind in a few weeks. Mind control! My box has VD. Wait, now, if Peter was here, we'd be talking about thermite paint! The Coolmator. So bad. Oh my god, Abraxas is terrible. Because I was like, oh, at the time, I'm like, oh, Jesse the Body Ventura. And, oh, and Sven it's, Oli Thorson and Sven Jim Oli Belushi. Thorson. And- yeah, this should be good. And now it's so bad. It's, it, 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 you know what? It is a fun watch because it's so bad. Well, but then there's Back to the Future 3. As someone who doesn't like the Back to the Future movies, pass. Back to the Future 3, I cannot stand. And I love Back to the Future 1 and 2. Well, then there's Circuitry Man, which is an underrated little film, but again, direct-to-video. You know, I hated Circuitry Man the first time I saw it, and then I went back and watched it again, and I'm like, what the hell? Did I see a different movie? Because, <laughs> like, so I, I think I was just, I don't know, it must have been in a bad place, but Circuitry Man's really good. And even Plughead Rewired is good. Not as good, but still good. My, my girlfriend had never seen this one. She never knew there was a sequel to Class of 1984. Just a few weeks ago, I showed her Class of 1999. Oh my god, do I love this movie. Okay, well, let's be fair. Class of 1999 is awesome, but it's... So far removed from Class of 1984. You know, it goes from... Same writer, same director, and he calls it a spiritual sequel. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not saying that it's not. But what I'm saying is that in 1984, it's a bunch of, you know, asshole kids that are, uh, you know, making the teachers' lives hell and whatnot. In Class of 1999, it's cyborg teachers that have rocket launchers and flamethrowers, and there's an all-out war going on at school. I mean, it is – I mean, I guess it's – It's also got Tracy Lynn. Oh, my God. 
Oh, the lovely, lovely Tracy Lind. She, um, she's awesome. Then we go to another direct video, Dark Side of the Moon. I mean, it's very low budget and you can tell the, the shots are very tight so you don't have to see much of the sets that they didn't have to build. It's lit poorly, but Dark Side of the Moon is really a damn good horror sci-fi combo. It sets up some of the plot twists, but there are still things you don't see coming in this one. Well, and then we, we go back to the theater for Flatliners, a film that I never cared for the original. Just I just couldn't get into it. Oh, my God, that remake, though. Oh. I think the concept for Flatliners is outstanding, which oh, is why. it's a great I, idea. It is a great idea, but I think that the, uh, that, like, the cast was really good. Like, it should have been good, but it was, it was very just bleh. And it so. It was such a bland script. Yeah, it really, like, they, they didn't do, like, they had so much they could have done with it, and they didn't do anything with it. They really just made it boring. And so I thought, okay, you know what? Of all the movies they're going to do remakes with, I think that that makes sense. Okay. You know, doing a flatliners, but, but really taking the idea and going with it, going further with it. Again, cinematic blasphemy. I like Gremlins 2, the new batch, better than the original. I'm sorry. It's funnier. It's more clever. It's wittier. It's a better movie. It's more tonally accurate or it's, it's more tonally consistent. I like the new batch better. Dante went bananas with Gremlins 2. And I love Gremlins, but I think that Gremlins 2 is better. I adore Gremlins 2. Unfiltered, unbridled creativity gone amok. It's a live action cartoon. It really is. I mean, they, I mean, they do, they throw every single possible thing at you. I mean, they break the fourth wall. There's Hulk Hogan, like the, the, they, all the different types of gremlins. It's just, it's insanely clever. Then we got the original Handmaid's Tale. I haven't seen the new TV series, so I don't know how it holds up, but I remember the movie just disappointing me in 1990. Uh, not interested in either. You come in peace, but you go in pieces. I come in peace came out this year. And oh my God, do I love that film. I, I'm really bummed that Shout Factory, they got the release for it, but they could only get it under the Dark Angel banner. It's, and I'm like, oh, Dark Angel is a stupid title. It's, yeah, movie. I come in pieces so much. I mean, Dark Angel, I think, works for the TV show, but it's such a bad name for such an awesome movie. You know, the I come in peace. Well, and it's such a bland, just get lost on the video shelf name. It really is. The, the name is what jumped out at me. And then, you know, because it was Dolph Lundgren, really unique cop movie. It is one of the most explosive movies I've ever seen. Everything in this movie blows up. Money that they must have spent. The on... villain shoot, the villain has a gun that shoots explosions. The, yeah, the villain has a gun that shoots explosions. He's like cars are blowing up, buildings are blowing up. I'm not even kidding. Water blows up. Like... It's also got a CD that kills mobsters. Oh, it's, it's the CD that slits your throat. And even Brian Benben was like good in it. You know, like it just, it, the movie was just killer. I mean, it's, it's when you take a action, uh, a, a stuntman and you make Craig him a Baxley. director, Craig R. Baxley, and you make him a director, you get an amazing action movie. I mean, how many amazing action movies have come from, uh, you know, stuntmen turned uh, directors? Well, have you ever seen Moon 44, the Michael Pere, Ronald Emmerich, Roland Emmerich G film from Germany? A long time ago. It's one of those ones that looks way, way more expensive than it was. 
showing that Emmerich, kind of like James Cameron coming from Roger Corman, knew how to stretch a budget. I mean, he made it a he made it look like a Blade Runner ripoff, but whatever. He made it look amazing. I remember seeing this on TV the night it debuted on HBO, and that guy raping that teenager in the shower was a little okay. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Whoa! I don't even remember that. Well, then I'm okay. I'm, ho- I'm hoping it was the bad guy. <laughs> It was the bad guy raping one of the good guys. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, shit. So they went there. Wow. And then, then we, you know, of course, Predator 2, which I think is the strongest film in the Predator franchise. Obviously, we haven't seen the new Shane Black one, but as of right now, it's the strongest film. Remember when Predator 2 came out in 1990? This film was hated, Cecil. Remember every review just said this is an inferior sequel. Isn't it funny how today everyone kind of looks at Predator 2 and goes, actually, this is probably the better sequel. I I love Predator 2. I think it's brilliant. I think that a lot of people are still just mad because it's not Arnold. And I'm like, you know what? I appreciated the fact that it it wasn't. like Because I think that that's what holds down. I'm glad it wasn't because he was the villain in this. Yeah, he was the villain in this. Arnold's character was Gary Busey's character. That was written for Dutch. So it would not have been the Arnold you were people were expecting. No, but I think that a problem with a lot of sequels is they tie it to an actor instead of tying it to like the property. And that's why I like Predator 2 was because they were showing the Predator in, you know, hunting a different group of people. And that made sense. They truly went in a different direction with it. Yeah, they went in a different direction. And I mean, that's why I think that like that, that's what the problem was with, with Alien was that they wanted to, they wanted to end it with three with, with, okay, Sigourney, we it's not going to be her story anymore she's dead and then what do they do they resurrect her for four then four ends up being awful you know so it's like look you know do the movies with like i mean you know the movie's not called ripley the movie's called alien you know so same thing with predator the predator is the focus not dutch so i i love the fact that they they went in a different direction and i thought that predator 2 it was smart it was way violent it was actually so violent it was the first film to ever receive now not to come out with but to receive an nc-17 rating it was well, that, that was... violent and that you have to look at the released cut cecil is really really gory so imagine what they had to cut oh god yeah just probably more scenes of people being skinned and stuff so yeah i can only imagine uh when it ended up cut i'm hoping you know that that does get picked up so like i would love to see like a fully uncut version of that i don't know if that's ever going to happen but hey uh i know it's on our list i never expected to see the you know the closest as possible cut of nightbreed well we'll get to that in horror so just mm-hmm. hold on i'm just nightbreed. but that's i'm just mentioning that because i know we're going to talk about that soon enough but I just also want to say with Predator 2, one of the reasons that I think it's such a standout film is it can act without the Predator. You get into this run-down, very near future, now past. It's like a really sleazy Miami Vice episode, and there are parts in the movie where I'm getting into this whole Jamaican-Colombian drug war with the cops, and the Predator stuff gets in the way of this really cool future cop movie. Yeah, it's like, oh, wait, oh, right, right, there's, there's also an alien in this. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I kind of like the whole cop movie thing, too. I, I like both, you know, I, I think that, uh, that's kind of what makes it good, you know, cause it's like, it didn't, 
it wasn't like, oh god, the other subplot is so boring. You know, it was like that both things were were interesting enough that you wanted to know, you know, more. And nineteen ninety also brought us and now this film goes under two different titles, so our international listeners will know this as Rising Storm, but in America we got it as Rebel Waves. Zach Galligan satire on how radio can save a post apocalyptic future. Um, how have I not seen this? Alright, I'll, I will send you a copy of this after we're done. I somehow, this is somehow flown under my post-apocalyptic radar. Well, and then we got, of course, RoboCop 2, which you and I went into great detail in our RoboCop retrospective, so let's just gloss over it. It's not as bad as everybody says, but yes, it has problems. No, it doesn't. It's awesome. You're wrong. Well, this year also brought us Solar Crisis. At the time, the biggest budget Alan Smithy film ever. Remember the Charlton Heston, Peter Boyle, Tim Matheson flick? Yeah, you're... <laughs> it's a it's a train wreck. It's... And you can tell multiple directors worked on this movie. They were trying their damnedest to save this film. Yeah, it's an expensive, not good movie. <laughs> Recently, you did Spaced Invaders, which, I mean, yeah, it's a goofy kids film, but... Okay, it was it was it wasn't it's inoffensive. Space Invaders is just fun. Like it, it's one of those kinds of movies that just we won't get that thing. We won't get it anymore. We don't get that kind of movie anymore. A family movie that works for like now it's either like so overly non-offensive and just dumb, you know, product placement for children, or it's just this completely safe, inoffensive, not funny, not enjoyable for anybody. Family films. We don't get family films that like kids can enjoy because, oh, look at the goofy aliens. And then they throw in a few references and stuff where the adults get them. Pixar movies are probably the only thing where we kind of get it that kids and adults can enjoy. But as far as live action family movies, they don't exist anymore. But then we, we can't not talk about Total Recall. If I'm not me, then who the hell am I? Consider that a divorce. I, I enjoy Total Recall quite a bit. I, I don't even consider that remake to be a remake. That's, that's a cash-in name-only thing. The only Maybe thing cash I don't... In, it's the same goddamn movie, just with a new coat of paint. They reused entire lines. There's no Mars. The... the character dynamics are all different. No. No, it's, they, look, they, they took a little tiny bit from the book, because they were like, we're going to make it more like the book. It's like a little tiny bit and tried to make it like the book, but then they took everything else. They lifted, you know, if I'm not me, who the hell am I? They lifted entire lines that did not exist in the book, but only existed in the movie. It's so bad. It is it is one of the most expensive, abysmal, like, I, I can't stand, I think, I, I, I don't remember if I gave it, I think it may have just been one of the worst, I don't think I gave it the worst, but I said it was one of the worst of that year, horrible, all that money could have been spent somewhere else making something else good. And then Watchers 2 came out this year, but I don't even want to talk about that because I want to do a Watchers retrospective shortly after the new year. So for horror films, Basket Case 2, which, again, I'm going to commit cinematic blasphemy. I like it better than Basket Case. I'm sorry. I need to go back and watch the Basket Case movies again. We should do a retrospective on those. Although technically, we'd have to pull Frankenhooker and that new one into it because they're all connected. You want a date? We got the Bill Paxton, Bill Pullman brain dead movie, which I remember just not being very good. We talked about it in the Bill Paxton retro. I just, I don't know. I didn't like it. Yeah. Then Bride of Reanimator. Bride of Reanimator I have not seen since 1990. I remember it obviously being not as good as Reanimator, but it's nowhere near as bad as Beyond Reanimator. 
I got the super duper deluxe uh, limited edition uh, Blu-ray and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to watch this. And I still haven't seen it. It's been a while. Uh, so I, I can't, I'm going to, I'm going to hold my, uh, my, my feelings until I get to see it again. Well, we got Fulci back this year, a cat in the brain. I remember this one being slow as hell, but overall I liked it. I don't think I've seen it. What about Child's Play 2? Now remember, I don't like any of the Child's Play Chucky movies. Maybe I'm the wrong audience, but Child's Play 2 does nothing for me. Child's Play 2, the for, for me, it is the quintessential Chucky movie. I think that Child's Play 2 is the best of the series. I think the, the comedy is on. I think the uh, the puppet looks amazing. Christina Lee is really good as the hero. I just I really love the the whole the whole way it does really continue the series and it makes it you know makes it work. It's a it's a, it's a very very good uh, good sequel. Well, we got the uh, the black horror movie Death by Temptation, which is pretty damn good, actually, and is very atypical for a trauma film. Now, trauma didn't make it, but they released it. Just honally, it doesn't feel like a trauma movie at all. That's one of their weird pickups. Was that, uh, that was Kadeem Hardison, wasn't it? And Bill Nunn. Right, right, right. It's been a while. I remember it having a lot of good mood, a lot of lighting. It was a slower movie because it was about the characters, and I remember it being quite good. And then we come to the best Exorcist film. Exorcist 3 is fantastic. Critics have been warming up to the movie in recent years, but I remember what 1990 when this came out. Everybody called this abomination. There were people that were saying The Heretic was still a better film than Exorcist 3. And it's like, what f***ing franchise have you been watching? Exorcist 3 is actually better than The Freaking Exorcist. I don't know about that. I like 3 a lot, but The Exorcist is just a landmark film. I, I like 3 better. I think I'm not crapping on Friedkin's direction, but Blatty went for more mood. And I, I don't, okay, this is going to sound weird. He went for more of a crime thriller mood. So when the horror stuff happened, it was more shocking. Friedkin made a horror movie. So they feel very, very different. One is just, it's so atmospheric and just creepy and, uh, it, it really, it works. Uh, and I like three a lot, but I just think and that three I, has the best jump scare in movie history. Well, three does have the best jump scare in movie history. Well, and then, hey, Cecil, want a date? There we go. Patty Mullins just. Could like, you, I honestly don't know if you could make Frankenhooker today. I and have it released to theaters. I mean, it maybe as like a direct-to-video, but that was a theatrical release in 1990. Man, times were different, weren't they? Oh, they certainly were. Yeah, I, I, you would get people losing their goddamn minds if you tried to do that today, and not even like just com- completely looking at it for all the wrong reasons. But yeah, uh, that movie is is hilarious. 1990 also brought us Roger Corman's return, Frankenstein Unbound, which is, I guess, I mean, it is a horror film. Technically, is more of a sci-fi movie because it's time travel and the future and alternate dimensions. So I don't know. I, I love Frankenstein Unbound, but it's actually more of a sci-fi movie than a horror movie, really. It's kind of a yeah, real genre jumper. I always think the uh, the cover of that is amazing with the eyeball, oh, with the big eyeball. Yeah, with the stitchings like through the diff- so it's a different colored. Um, what irises like uh, it's very very unique that really stands out well and then we talked about graveyard shift when we talked about stephen king so we'll move over that now speaking of william friedkin 
I hated The Guardian. I just, this movie did nothing for me. I could not understand why people loved this movie. I did. I, t- I talk about it for 12 minutes. I, I think it's a neat movie. It's well, very, no, uni- no. it's very unique. There's not a lot of movies you can really compare, uh, compare it to. Friggin' Druid Spirit, you know, uh, eats children, you know, <laughs> like it lives in a big tree. It's, it's a very, very different movie and it's got bark puss in it. Well, and then we got Jacob's Ladder, which is a film that everybody loves except me. I've never gotten into this movie. I remember, I didn't see this one theatrically. I remember seeing all the previews. I, I rented it when it came out and just went, I don't ever need to watch that again. I, I think it's a great movie. I do enjoy it, but I do think that it could have been trimmed up a little bit. I do think there are parts where it's like, oh, get on with it. But uh, I still think that it's a it's a cool movie. Well, and then again, we talked about it in our Texas Chainsaw retrospective. Leatherface Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 does not get the love that it deserves. It's it's very odd. It's such a weird kind of odd departure. But I mean, but the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series is just all over the place. So, uh, I mean, because you've got one, which is like hardcore horror. You get the sequel, which is a lot of comedy. You get three, which is this kind of weird mishmash. You got four, which is the, you know, McConaughey with Joke. robot legs. It's like, you know, and then, and then, you know, the, the remake and they got two prequels now. And it just, it, it's like there really was never tonally legitimate sequel. They've always kind of been all over the place. Even 3D, which I like and I know everybody else hates. But even that is like just a departure uh, as far as uh, uh, as far as the series goes. I think like they should just after Leatherface, they need to stop. They need to realize, you know what? Let's just not make any more Texas Chainsaw movies. Like we're like just just officially say we're done. And then obviously direct to video. But this was the year that brought us Linnea Quigley's horror workout. Remember that tape? Oh, yes. I remember, uh, Linnea Quigley. Linnea Quigley jazzercising with zombies. I like, I like her a lot, but I always, I feel bad that like, I think she just kind of gets, ends up in these things in a lot of really odd things that maybe she shouldn't have done the horror work. <laughs> it maybe sounded like a good idea. Maybe the money was good, but it's just like, all right, that's a, that's a thing, I guess. I don't know. Maybe, uh, Maybe there was a call for, for girls who liked horror movies to jazzercise, but it's such an odd thing. Now, I'm going to gloss over Misery because, again, we talked about it in our Stephen King retrospective, but Night of the Living Dead 1990. Obviously, it's not better than the 1968 version. I consider it just as good. I literally, if you had to make me pick between the two, I couldn't. Night of the Living Dead 1990 is one of those remakes that got it right. It is one of the very few remakes that actually, like, they... They did it. They did things differently, but still remained true to the original source material and still made a really good movie. And honestly, between the two endings, I don't know which is better. They both have fantastic endings, and they are, no pun intended, night and day different in their endings. They certainly are. They definitely are. It's uh, it's such an odd thing. Brought us Nightbreed. Just talking the theatrical cut, because that's what came out in 1990. I like the movie, but man, it's a mess. And then when I read the novel, I'm like, man, the movie's even more of a mess. I like what's there. You can see the framework of a good movie. But man, did the studio just cut this thing to ribbons. Same thing. I saw it, and I'm like... I'm like this. I want to like this so much. There's just so much neat, cool stuff going on here. This is great ideas. And but but yeah, you could tell like giant chunks were missing. And then, you know, you know, decades later, we get the cabal cut and uh, it's as close to as humanly possible. The original intended version was and it is infinitely better. 
being a year of sequels. Prom Night 3, The Last Kiss. Come on, none of the Prom Night sequels were any good. I like Betty uh, Betty Sue, Betty Lou. Rel- okay, she was cute, but other than that... Well, I no, but I'm saying I, I like... I mean, it wasn't anywhere... I mean, Prom Night was great, and then Prom Night 2... Hello, was it Prom Night 2, Hello, Betty Lou? Yeah, and that's the one where Michael Ironside's the villain. Yeah, I I like but, you know I like it's not as good, but then yeah, but then three and I think didn't they didn't they do a four? Yep, they did a four as well. Yeah, and uh, and then they did a remake, which was so bad. And then Psycho Four: The Beginning, so a prequel, which as we discussed in our Psycho retrospective, is better than it has any right to be. This film is actually really well directed, really well written, and really well acted. A prequel being the fourth film in a franchise like Psycho has no right to be as good as Psycho 4 is. They don't make them like that very often. And it was a TV movie even. That was that was freaking made for Showtime. You and I, we've already fought about it. Repossessed is not funny. Repossessed is hilarious. You're wrong. Oh my god, you're an idiot. Oh, you're stupid. We also have Slumber Party Massacre 3 and Sorority House Massacre 2. Well, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of killing that needs to go on at college. And then we have the drastically underrated Sundown the Vampire in Retreat, which, it, it, the movie has problems, especially has pacing problems. This movie's not well paced. It, it, it's basically an hour of story in a 90 minute time slot. There are some really neat ideas in Sundown. I don't know if it's still up, but uh, Fred did a video about Sundown that's really good that just t- uh, talks a lot about it, about, you know, what's good and everything. Did a really good job with it. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's neat. Uh, it's it's a cool movie. Um, I actually uh, I didn't. He recommended it to me. So uh, I think it's uh, I think it's cool. It definitely uh, definitely overlooked. We got Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, which we went over in our creep show retrospective. Then we got Tremors. I'm sorry. I never liked Tremors. Boo! I cannot like the movie. It doesn't boo. mean it's a bad movie. It means I don't like it. Oh, you know, that's fine. Oh, boo yourself. Oh, boo. Oh, boo. Uh, I like Tremors a lot. I like the uh, the series in general. I mean, one is by far for me the best, but uh, I even like uh, the, the sequels. I, I've only seen a little, I haven't seen all of the TV sh- series, but... Um, oh, you I, mean all of the, what, seven episodes? Really? There was that little? I thought there was more than that. Oh, it was canceled real quick. It's, you know, it's alright. But yeah, I, I adore the first movie. I've, and people have been bugging me to do a video on that for the longest time. But, uh, I, yeah, I like Tremors a lot. And then we got Two Evil Eyes from Argento and Romero. I haven't seen this movie since 1990, and I didn't like it at the time. I might now. I'm not sure. I haven't, I need to see it in the last, I haven't seen it in the last 27 years, so. I didn't think that either story was particularly strong. Like it didn't feel like they, they probably could have been 22 minute instead of, you know, they, they should have been dark side episodes. They should have been dark side episodes instead of 45 minute things. They just, it, they dragged. And then because direct to video is a thing and horror porn is sort of a thing, not one, but two witchcraft sequels this year. Witchcraft 2, The Temptress and Witchcraft 3, Kiss of Death. Oh, the witchcraft movies were always the bargain basement of horror. We are now up to Witchcraft 16. I know. They made three in the last two years. Who is the audience for these still, man? Uh, I, I, like Obscurus Lupa, I think. Like, she's, she's really... Maybe Allison Pregler, that's it. Like, she's the only one. They're making them, at this point, specifically for Allison. So, like I said, it was, this wasn't a big year for genre, and that is especially reflected in the highest grossing films. We got Ghost in number one, Home Alone, Pretty Woman, Dances with Wolves, 
Total Recall, Back to the Future 3, Die Hard 2, Presumed Innocent, TMNT, and Kindergarten Cop. This is one of the first years where the genre is not really represent. I mean, really, Total Recall, Back to the Future 3, technically, Ghost, technically. There's not a whole lot of genre in that, is there? No, but I'm saying, but I still think there was a lot of, uh, you know, there was a fair amount of genre stuff uh, released that was still good. It was kind of, you know, it was a, decades are always transition years. They're always weird. And speaking of transition years, we have the Razzies. Without looking it up, what what do you think won Worst Picture? Uh, uh, well, since we were talking about it, uh, I'm going to say The Bonfire of the Vanities. Nominated, but didn't win. It was a tie between The Adventures of Ford Fairlane and the Bo Derrick movie Ghosts Can't Do It. Oh, boo! Worst actor, Andrew Dice Clay in Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Of course. Once again, proving how irrelevant the freaking Razzies are. Worst actress, Bo Derrick in Ghosts Can't Do It. God, I didn't even know that was a movie. Uh, Brad did it on his show last year, maybe. Oh, really? Speaking of, worst supporting actor, Donald Trump in Ghosts Can't Do It. Where he plays himself. Jeez. Was he actually, like, did did he act in the movie or was he just kind of like a walk-on? No, he actually acts in the movie and the credits even say, yes, that is the real Donald Trump. I'm not joking. All right, now now I'm curious. I'll have to go watch Brad's. I was no. like, I'm going to watch the movie. I'm like, no, I'll watch Brad's video. No, watch Brad's video. Don't watch the movie. Trust me. Yeah, that's, no, believe, I, I'm, I know. I know better. Worst Supporting Actress, Sofia Coppola, Godfather 3. Wow. Okay, I can't fight him on that one. Yeah, damn awful. Yeah, they, they got that one. Worst Director, John Derrick for Ghost Can't Do It. Worst Screenplay, Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Boo! You're going to love this. Worst Original Song, He's Coming Back the Devil from Repossessed. <laughs> I don't even remember the song in that. I just, you know, whatever. It's, it, I don't I don't remember Repossessed for the song. Well, I mean, a movie like TMNT, now, now I remember when, I, I was never a fan of that movie because when that came out, I was already too old for that. That was aimed a little bit lower than where I was at the time. Whereas you're, you're younger than me, so it, it probably hit you right where it was supposed to. That film set records. That became the highest grossing independent film of all time in 1990. An $8 million budget, Cecil. $250 million box office. Eight million that looks amazing. I mean, the animatronics Henson Studio did just are incredible. They still look good. They, uh, they have, they have some of the most amazing emotion. And then you go and you watch the $150 million Bay films. They don't, it doesn't look as good. And it's, it's just ridiculous. It's like, just go, you know, could you imagine if you took $150 million and you put it into, uh, some, some animatronic turtles now, how good it would look? Well, I do know what doesn't look good, and that's Cecil. Where can people find him? What? I'm a handsome motherfucker. What are you talking about? Uh, you can find me at goodbadflicks.com as well as goodbadflicks on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook, 1201beyond.com, although it's not it's I'm good bad flicks on 1201beyond.com, but I'm not sure what the exact what might you know you just go there you'll find me I'm the I'm the 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 cool mother effer there I don't know about that but well no nah, you know what that's no nah, actually I take that back Peter it's hard to compete with that guy that, that, that's true you cannot compete with Peter yes his, that, that is true his all, his Peter's stuff is there too his biceps are the size of my thigh but if you guys go to 1201beyond.com my stuff is there as well we have t-shirts we have an artist collection right now of some exclusive t-shirts that you've never seen elsewhere and you can contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com try to be a cut above 
Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night. Let the battle cry go forth, which is give the people what they want. And what the people want could only be the senseless slaughter of the gutter slime that litters this nation for cash and prizes. Yes, this is the show where people bet their lives to win something big. Cause when your life is shit, then you haven't got much to lose on Slaughter How do you hide money from a hippie? Put it under the soap! I'm sorry, but that answer wasn't in time. You're gonna have to put your mouth on this. Oh, I blew your head clean off! Good thing I was such an expert shot with the National Guard back at Kent State. I back for that day. There's nothing like hippie, honey. My dad always used to take me along with Lee Harvey Oswald. Whatever happened to Eddie Munster? I'm looking at him!
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.